I am super excited about being here, and uh, this is week two of kind of a marriage conference I've forced upon Bay Hills. Uh, so we're excited about that. Now, I'm going to start just a little bit different, so back in the video thing, you're going to have to be ready for me to adjust some things. So a um, <clears throat> number of years ago, when I was just getting started as a pastor, I remember this one lady who, her and her husband were very prominent in our church, and they came to, she came to church and she said, Pastor, I need to meet with you, and I said, that'd be great. And she then sat me down and we talked about the fact that she said, I'm just going to have to leave my husband. And uh, he's, he's a complete jerk. And, he, and I said, you can't do that. You, you can't do that. That's just not okay. And so she said, no, it is. And so then for the next hour, I was bringing out verses and ideas that helped her understand she needed to stay. She was, for the next hour, bringing out ammunition to say he's a complete jerk. And I ran out before she did. And so out of desperation, I said to her, would you do me a favor as your pastor? And she said, pastor, what favor could I possibly do for you? And I said, could you wait for five weeks before you leave him? She said, why would I wait five weeks? I said, I know it's probably not going to do any good because you've convinced me that he's been a jerk. But he's enrolled in a new class I'm starting called Becoming a Godly Husband. And in five weeks, he'll be through week three. Now, it may, probably won't make any difference for your husband, but just as a favor to me, would you wait for five weeks before you leave him? And she said, Pastor, as a favor to you, I will wait five weeks to leave the jerk. And so I remember she left, and I got right down on my knees, and I said, Lord, this has got to work. This is, this is too good of a family. This has got to change them. And so we went through the three weeks and the five weeks of that process. And then on the fifth Sunday, she came to church with her husband, and she was dolled up. I mean, hair done, just... And I thought, oh, no, she's hunting for the next Mr. So-and-so. And I thought, ah! And so then she would go over to a group of ladies and she would whisper something, and they would all go. And then I would go, ah, she's telling them. And so out of an interest in pastoral accuracy, I followed her over to talk to another group of ladies and I heard her say out of her own mouth, oh, if you had a husband like mine, you would have fallen in love with him again just like I have. And I went, it works. It works. The Bible actually works. I was so excited. What I saw was that when husbands and wives begin to care for one another, as the scripture says, the marriage can blossom. So go to that slide that has the heart in it. The thing I want to talk to you about, the thing that I taught this husband was how to meet his wife's needs that he didn't know anything about. And because the definition of biblical love is to meet needs, to pursue, and to please. It's not the feeling you get when someone else does that for you. If you're going to say you love someone biblically, it means I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to please you. Now, let me help you understand. As I do some counseling, hit this next one. When I invite people into my counseling office, and I don't get to do that as much as I used to, um, just because of lots of other things that are happening, I will usually draw some chart like this, and I will say to, usually I'll start with the husband, and I'll say, now since 
Love means to meet needs. How, what needs are you meeting that show your wife that you love her? And so most men will just go, they'll puff out their chest and they'll say, this is an easy one. I give her my paycheck. I come home on Friday. And somewhere in the third, fourth, or fifth response is, it's almost always there. I bought her a refrigerator. I don't know why there is a power in purchasing a refrigerator. From a, but it's there. And so I'd never done that. So I bought my wife a refrigerator. And I went, oh, oh, this really does feel good. Then I bought her another one and put it in the garage. But anyway, now, so she, the guy will list all these things that he's doing. Then I'll just say to her, now all the time that he's listing the things he's doing that show her he loves her, she's over there going. (laughs) Then I'll say to him, now let's just say that the needs that you're meeting are real needs, but they're actually need number 55, 63, (laughs) 73, 4, and 7, and 92. Now, they're real needs, but on her list of which is the most important, they're down the list. How much do you think she would feel you love her? And then usually, a dim bulb begins to glow above his head. Well, maybe not too much. And then I say to him, I've got some really good news. Bad news for ladies, but great news for guys. I say, sir... Your wife's top 15 needs, you don't know any of them. And you can't look inside yourself and go, what does she need? She probably needs some soda and some pizza and a good game. You don't have what she needs. So you don't know what they are. Now, as I've said on a number of occasions, I've discovered that the top 15 needs that a woman has in marriage, a man doesn't know any of them. On the other hand, when you ask, does the wife know what her top 15 needs of her husband is, she knows them all. She just doesn't think you've earned the right to have them met. (laughs) A little difference there in that whole process. Now, what I want to talk with you about is I want to talk with you about the top two needs, one for women and one for men, that really make the huge difference in a marriage. Now, the Bible clearly talks about this, clearly points us in this direction. Now, when we get into this, I'm going to try and get this thing to stay there. When we get into this, what you have to understand is the Bible never commands us to breathe. It doesn't command us to eat. Why? Because he knows we're going to do those things. We, we don't have to be commanded to do things we would naturally do. So when the Bible says to husbands, do this, it's saying, do this because you won't think to do this. When it says, do this for wives, it's saying that because it, the Bible knows that you're going to say, but he doesn't deserve it. And the Bible says, I want you both to meet each other's needs. Does this make sense? Some of you are like, no, I don't want that to make sense. Okay, let, let's work <laughs> it. Okay, now hit this next one. Now, the first need, the number one need that I think the Bible puts at the top of the list of things that wives need is honor. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, you can see it there, you husbands likewise grant her honor as, an equal, as, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, as an equal heir of the grace of life. And what happens here is, interesting enough, uh, the, mar- the major marriage expert in America today is Dr. John Gottman. And he says the one thing that women are looking for in their marriage is trustworthiness. And the first component of trustworthiness is do you value me above everything else in your life? Now, if a wife does not feel valued by her husband, guess who loses? It's not the wife. It's the husband because she can't respond. She can't become all that she could be if she was treated as a valuable member of this team. Now, it's kind of like this friend of mine said, Years ago, I mentioned it last week, I was talking with him about this whole thing, about his wife having needs, and he just said, you know, it had never occurred to me that my wife might have needs. It had just never occurred to me. I thought that she would just need me to tell her what to do. And it was like, whoa, there's a number of things wrong with that. So we taught him about this whole process, and he then, it changed his whole marriage, and he just blew him up. It was just amazing. Now, let's jump in here, okay? Hit this next one. If you're going to honor your wife as number one in your life, that means you must prefer her over everyone else. Make sure that no one gets better treatment than she does. Your wife, gentlemen, is watching how you treat everyone. And if you treat her a certain way, she wants to know that no one else gets better treatment. If when you come to church, all of a sudden you're Mr. Jolly and the sanctification of the parking lot takes over, Oh, praise God, blessed. How are you, sir, today, brother? Wonderful to see you. She notices that you're faking. And she would at least like you to fake with her, okay? In other words, be a little kinder. Does this make sense? If the vendor at your office gets better treatment than she does, guess who loses? Okay, we don't really want to say that, but we do, okay? Now, let's go on. Hit the next one. The second thing you have to understand, if you're going to honor your wife, now, by the way, gentlemen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. We're just talking to husbands first. We'll get to wives, okay? (laughs) Many guys are going, this is not fair. This is really (laughs) one-sided. Exactly, okay? We're going to get the other side, okay? Now, the ladies are going, yes, stay with this topic. I like this topic, okay? (laughs) Ladies do something that men don't do. Ladies give their husbands tests every day to see if they're number one. They don't mean to. It just comes up and it's just obvious. So they do it. Now, it usually will start something like this. You come home from a hard day at work. You come, hi, hey, you know, you greet everybody, hug the kids, whatever, and you go sit in the lazy boy. You have your soda, the pizza, and the game on. You throw the lever. <laughs> and right then she sees this could be a test. She doesn't mean to say this could be, but she just realized, oh, She knows I've got to know whether or not I'm number one in his life. So she says, honey, could you take out the trash? And then she adds two words that change it from a trash assignment to a test. For me. And you think it's the big game. It's trash. It can wait. And if you fail the test, guess who loses? You do. Now... Let me, let me show you. I'll hit the next one, okay? Your wife every day takes a 
running total of how important she thinks she is to you. She's got to know. She's got to know. Now, let me just tell you, I don't do that with Pastor Dave. I don't go, I wonder how important I am to Pastor Dave. I don't care. And he doesn't care how important I am to him. That's not something guys do. Does that make sense? But ladies do that. If they're married to someone, they want to know, am I important to him? And so if I'm below work and golf and self and kids and vote, I'm number six. And if she's number six, something inside of her dies. Something inside of her goes down. Does this make sense? Now, here's the deal. In order for you to help her blossom and to become all that she can be and prove that you love her, you have to pass the daily test every day for three and a half months. Now, that was, I remember the mentor, he put his arm around, he said, you got to pass it. It's going to be tough, but you can hang in there. You can do it. And if you fail on day 14, the clock starts again. (laughs) But here's what happens. When you pass for three and a half months, all of a sudden she'll say, I haven't seen you play golf enough. I think you need to go out with your friends. When was the last time you had some time with Pastor Dave? Go, 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 go. Because what happens inside of her, she says, I know I'm number one. Does this make sense? Some of you are going, yes, but no. (laughs) Now, let me just say, as Christians, we know that God outranks her. But it's not a good idea to say you're number two. Just say you're number, I tell my wife, you're number one next to God. But my wife knows that God is rarely going to pull that card. Now, although I have to say, this is not the way to do it, but right before I asked my wife to marry me, I said, honey, you need to understand, I'm a pastor, I love Jesus, he's number one, and you're a Christian, this is great. I just need you to understand that if we're ever in Africa or someplace that kills people for being in love with Jesus, if they say to me, you deny Christ or your wife goes blind, you're going to be blind. That's not the way to lead into a marriage situation. But, okay, she understood, and she then, she then said, well, the same goes for you, buddy. We're going to poke both of your eyes out. I might do it. Now, now so, but, so she's number one next to God. Okay, you with me here? Okay, now, let's go on. The third thing you need to do is declare your love every day and give her at least one compliment every day. You, you need to say to her in some form or fashion, honey, I love you, and here's something wonderful, and I'm grateful for it. I appreciate it. One of the things that I noticed years ago, the Lord kind of prompted me, was I would think to myself, she's so beautiful. She's so wonderful. Look at this. Look at that. And I would keep it to myself. And the Lord prompted me, why don't you tell her? Why don't you text her? Oh, she knows. And what I've seen is so many couples, they keep all this stuff to themselves, and they don't tell each other. So lately, what the Lord has had me do is at the end of every night, my wife goes to bed before I do, and I go to the computer room, and I just start typing a gratefulness thing for the day. I text her so that when she gets up in the morning, because she gets up before I do, she gets a note of everything I've noticed about how wonderful she is. She likes that. It's fascinating to her. And she says, you noticed. Because sometimes what I'll do is we'll be in the bathroom, you know, and I'll pull open a drawer, and I'll go... It's a magic underwear drawer. It's full again. Now, what you need to do is if you're going to have a great marriage, you must be in the business of complimenting and loving and being gracious to her. Now, let's go on. Oh, 
Gratitude is a game changer. The more gratitude you show, the more you will find. And gratitude, interesting, they've done enough studies now that one of the key factors in whether you sleep well is how grateful you are. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Now, um, uh, one more. Hit the next one. This is hard for many guys because we have a PhD in sarcasm. If you're going to have a great marriage, you have to stop being sarcastic to your spouse. Many of us at work are the life of the party because we're so sarcastic. Now, what I've noticed is that guys can handle it. And guys like it when they're sarcastic. You know, when you're at the work, I used to work for the Teamsters and, you know, drive truck and do stuff. And, and we all, when we came into the office, we kind of, <laughs> we're like buffaloes. <laughs> and we'd insult one another and we'd kind of really enjoy that. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you'll bring that home and you'll wonder why she's not laughing. One of the things that we have to understand is men are buffaloes and they can handle it. And they love bang. <laughs> Women are butterflies. And they get destroyed by the same thing that the buffalo enjoys. And so what I tell guys is eliminate, eliminate sarcasm from your marriage. Now, you have to understand, I grew up as a very sarcastic young man. Very sarcastic. To this day, I still hear to everything you say, I still hear Don Rickles and Roseanne Barr. Now, if you don't know who that is, you're young, okay? <laughs> and I've realized that it doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't help my marriage. And I need to lower the sarcasm and up the kindness. Does this make sense? Just increase the kindness. Now, let's hit the next one there. Now, these are the action steps. How do guys pull this off? You need to ask yourself as a guy, when does she usually test me? Is it at dinner? Bedtime, early in the morning, middle of the night, evening, all of the above. <laughs> this is not a list, ladies, of when you can do it, okay? This is, the guy's got to get ready. He's got, oh, this is different. Oh, okay, that kind of thing. Now, then over here, the next thing, guys, where it says, what are seven compliments about your wife? Don't start writing it down right now because she's watching. <laughs> and if you don't write continuously and have 15, she'll... So just think, I just say, there's so many, I need some time and space to write them all down. And then you show it to her later this afternoon, okay? Now, because she's wanting to know, what do you think is wonderful about her? Does this make sense? So this, you guys are so quiet. It's like, whoa, this, the conviction of God. Is, now, let's, I'm, an, I'm an equal opportunity offender, so let's go to the other side of the aisle, okay? Here we go. Now, the number one thing that a man needs out of his marriage is different than honor, it's respect. Ephesians chapter 5, 33 says, see, the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now, the idea of respect is the idea of acknowledging value. Um, hit this next one there. Yes. Honor means to add value to. Respect means acknowledge the value I have. Now, husbands desperately need and want respect. The reason why most men got married was because they believed you saw how important or significant or meaningful they were. They would not have married you if you did not give them respect. Typically, a man is not going to marry a woman who disrespects him. Just not going to happen. Does this make sense? Now, hit, hit this next one. Like a flower, 
that automatically turns towards the sun, so a man will turn in the direction of the greatest amount of respect. Whoever values him the most has his respect. If he gets the greatest amount of value at home, he turns to home. If he gets the greatest amount of respect at work, if he gets the greatest amount of respect from the neighbor lady, he's going there. If he gets the greatest amount of respect from his friends on the golf course, he's going there. Because men seek it out like a heat-seeking missile. They need it. They turn towards respect. Now, hit this next one. I did a little research in the area of affairs and why men have them. And and this one book I found called The Truth About Cheating. 92% of men said it wasn't primarily about the sex. The majority said it was an emotional disconnection, specifically a sense of feeling underappreciated by the wife a lack of thoughtful gestures. Now, hit the next one there. She makes, the mistress makes them feel different, makes them feel appreciated, admired. Hang on to that word admired. Ladies, just circle that word. There is something magical about the word admired. I tell my wife, my wife does these conferences with me, and I tell her, it just means so much when you use the word admired. And then 30 minutes, an hour later, she'll say, honey, I just need to tell you some things I admire about you. And I go, oh, that's not needed. (laughs) And I just, just keep, oh, just keep going. This is wonderful. I don't know what it is, but guys pay attention to the word, I admire you, the word admired. And men need this about once a week. Ladies need to be complimented every day. Men need to be admired at least once a week kind of helps us, kind of fills us up. Does this make sense? Okay, now hit this next one there. Many ladies in counseling have said to me, but what if I can't respect him? There's nothing respectable about him. Now it tells me a lot when she thinks that, but I remember one lady, I I had five couples that I was seeing and this one week I saw five ladies and they all said this, I can't respect him. How can I respect him when there's nothing respectable about him? And what it tells me is that the lady is focusing on the things he doesn't do, on a few bad things that she really thinks are important. So I've begun to train ladies on how to respect a man that she doesn't think is respectable. Now, what I tell them is you have to think like a man. So I'm going to give you a man's mental chart. This is very dangerous for me to give. I could probably lose my card of being a man for giving this to you, but it's very important, okay? Now, this is the way a man thinks of himself, okay? He has six, seven columns. The first column is all of his accomplishments, everything he's ever done, every award he's ever got from kindergarten through the present, everyone. And he still congratulates himself. When I was in sixth grade at Valley View Elementary, just over there, I won the Valley View 500 coasting go-kart thing, probably because my father built a really fast go-kart, but I take complete credit for it, okay? And I, I, I'm past sixth grade, and I still talk about it. Guys who won the best MVP of football or whatever, I'll still talk about it 20 years later. Ladies, you have to understand, inside your husband is a little boy saying, I did really good in third grade. And you need to catch up with what he's congratulating himself for. Does this make sense? Now, the second column, ladies, this is something you don't do that every guy I've ever met does this. 
they congratulate themselves for what they don't do. They find somebody at work or in the neighborhood who's really horrible, and they compare themselves with Jim or Joe or Bob, and they go, I, I don't, he stays out, he gets drunk seven nights a week. I only get drunk one. He doesn't give his wife half of the paycheck. I give you two-thirds of it. And so what he does is he congratulates himself for things he doesn't do as bad as Jim or Joe or Jack or whatever. Does this make sense? Now, ladies, you're going to go, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's the way he thinks, okay? Now, so you have to kind of find who he's comparing himself to and maybe try and get a little bit better comparison person, okay? Now, now the, the middle one there on abilities, it's blank, not because he doesn't have any, but because there's so many, I couldn't list them all, okay? So you have to understand that your husband has all kinds of abilities or he'd be completely unemployable. Does that make sense? He's got all kinds of abilities. Now, some of them he doesn't have, but many he does have. One of the things that I'm super grateful for is that my wife was raised by her father. And her father happened to have been just as bad at handiwork around the house as I am. <laughs> so my wife does not expect me to know how to do things around the house. It's wonderful. Now, if she had been raised in our home, my father can fix anything, change anything, I would look like a complete idiot that I really am. But she doesn't know that. So we just have this rule that says, here's the budget. Here's five approved Angie's List handymen. And you can call them without even checking with me. Because I, I don't know what I'm doing on that. Does that make sense? But So that's not in my ability column. Okay. Now, then there's personality. Uh, now, I was talking with this one couple, and they were just a great couple. I loved them. And she was all over her husband. Oh, he's this and he's that. He's that. Now, he happened to be one of those guys who was very patient and very, very contemplative. Now, what she called him was lazy and slow. But actually what he was, was he thought things through thoroughly, and he made decisions so they were right. And what was interesting was, is that it wasn't until God made her or allowed her to be really sick in the hospital sick before she realized the wonder of her contemplative, patient husband. Now, so ladies, just not as a warning or anything, but learn how to appreciate your husband or God might give you a circumstance in which his things shine. Okay, now let's go on. Then he has spiritual gifts, things that he can do, and then he has other strengths that, that are just, oh, he's really good at that, he's really good at this, that kind of thing. So if you're going to learn to respect your husband, and let me just say, if you want a great marriage, you're going to have to figure out how to respect him. You're just going to have to. Now, there's probably some things he doesn't do well, and you just have to chalk that up to he didn't get that gene. But find, or otherwise your marriage is not going to be what you want it to be. Hit this next one here, okay? You need to tell him that you, and circle that word, admire him, respect him, love him, or appreciate him for a specific action or quality every few days. About once a week is the minimum. You can do it a few more times. He doesn't need it every day. My wife, you just, my wife will say, honey, 
I need to let you know that I admire you. I tell her to use that word. Then she uses it, and I perk right up. And then I want to say, well, tell me more about that. And I want more specifics and more details. And Isn't this fascinating? So, because guys desperately need this. Okay? Ladies who are not married yet, this is one of your husband's or future husband's big things. Hit the next one, okay? Become fascinated by what he does well, right, or good, past, present, or future. Everyone who's been married for longer than a year knows that your husband is going to tell you the same story over and over and over again. Because that's his story. It's about work and how Jim and him went and got the biggest fish that ever lived and whatever it is, okay? And you need to understand that's fascinating. Tell me more about that. Because understand he's telling you something about himself with that story you've heard a million times. And when you go, again, (laughs) it doesn't say I really understand you. Does this make sense? Okay, so now, what is he congratulating himself for? Okay, hit this next one there. Stop complaining, criticizing, and husband bashing. Walk away from groups of ladies that are doing it. In every church, in every rotary club, in every parent-teacher organization, there is a sub-club that exists where ladies get together, and it will usually start with a phrase like this. Let me tell you the stupid thing that Ryan did this week. And then one of the others say, that's nothing. Let me tell you about Jim. And then they go through this whole process of can you top the idiot thing that my husband did. (laughs) Now, ladies, you need to resign from that club. You need to not be a part of it because if you are a part of it and your husband gets wind of it, you will have seriously damaged your marriage. Seriously. Now, one of the greatest gifts that my wife has given me is that she does not participate in those clubs. We'll go to a party at church, and we go a lot of things, there are gatherings, and if she comes to me in the middle of the Super Bowl party and sits right next to me and pretends to watch the game, because she doesn't like football, I know that she's been to a number of the ladies' groups that are forming around the party, and every one of them is bashing their husbands, and she refuses to participate. And when she comes to sit next to me and then says, honey, I think it might be time to leave, I go, let's leave, because she says, I don't want to be a part of that. Now, let me just tell you, my wife can win every one of those contests, because she married an idiot. (laughs) And the stuff I do... Very few people even attempt to be that bad. (laughs) But she has given me the gift of respecting me. Does that make sense? And it's big for men. It's huge for men. Okay? Now, let's go on. America's foremost marriage expert, Dr. John Gottman, is able to predict the happiness or the divorce of a marriage in 94% of the cases in usually five minutes. It's just fascinating. In fact, in the book, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, he talks about Gottman's ability to do this. And Gottman said it comes down to one thing. If I see, and it's usually, it's a switch. Hit this next one. It's a switch that the couples are either one way or the other. There's no gray area. 
They either emphasize their partner's positive traits and minimize the more annoying characteristics, or they emphasize their partner's negative traits and minimize the more positive characteristics. If you're over here in emphasizing the negatives, you're headed towards separation, divorce, or emotional divorce. If you're over here celebrating his positives or the things that are wonderful about each other, you're headed to a healthy marriage. Because let me just help you understand, ladies and gentlemen, you are not perfect and neither is your spouse. And if you're going to have a great marriage, you're going to have to realize, okay, this is the way it is. They're, they're probably never going to do that super well. But how do we make this work? Does this make sense? Now, if he's being immoral or illegal, that's a different deal. Does that make sense? But learn to respect him and focus on the positives. It will make a huge difference. In fact, respect is like food. It's like a superfood for guys. When my wife used to try and get me to take the trash out, and she would put it in the, in the, right in the way, and I had the ability, without looking at it, to go right around it. And, and just not even notice that it was there until finally she would just walk right in front of me. Here's the trash. And then I would take it out. And then she would organize a party with the kids when I came back. And she'd have one of those you know, big things that I had to come through. Dad is taking the trash out. Isn't it great? He's the best. La, la, la. And so I'd go through there. And then I would say, anything else you want me to do, honey? You know, and she'd point me at the next thing. She, she totally trained me. <laughs> totally. Because she knows I'm irresistibly drawn to respect. Does this make sense? God wants you to have a great marriage. Hit this next one. Oh, let's skip that one. Keep going. Are you meeting your spouse's needs? Gentlemen, your wife needs, or your girlfriend, if you're headed towards marriage, she needs you to honor her, to add value to her. Ladies or girlfriends, if you want to keep moving forward in the relationship, your man needs respect. He needs to know what you admire about him, and he needs you to think deeply about that. Does this make sense? It will just blossom the marriage. Don't just survive when you can have a great marriage. Years and years ago, I can remember I was mad at my wife for something. And I was just, I'm going to let her have it. She did this and she didn't do that. And and I was going to. And then the Lord prompted me, why don't you forgive her? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not letting her get away with this. Mm -mm, Not happening. I'm going to bring it. And then he reminded me, you know, you're not perfect either. And then he suggested that I do something really bizarre. Because I know this had to be God because I would have never thought about it. I was mad at her. I couldn't wait for her to come back home so I could tell her. And he said, why don't you buy her a gift? Are you nuts, God? I don't want to reward this behavior. But he convinced me, so I packed up the kids, and we drove into town. We got her a bathrobe and some slippers. 
all the way in there, I'm going, this is a stupid idea. This is a stupid idea. This is a stupid idea. Stupid, stupid, stupid. All the way back, the kids and I were going, isn't it great? Mommy's going to love these slippers, isn't it? And we were all excited. And what's interesting was God made me forget about the thing I was so upset about because I was so excited to bless her. And you know what? I can't remember what I was so upset about. And what I've discovered is the more I focus on the positive things about my wife, the more positive I discover. The more I focused in the past on the negative, the more I discovered. It's your choice. What kind of marriage, what kind of relationships you have. Let's say, God, fill me with your presence, with your power to be what you want me to be, to have great relationships. This can be at work. This can be in your family. This can be in your marriage. This can be in your romantic relationships if you're not married yet. Let me just say, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is one of the biggest reasons to invite him in. You invite him in to forgive you of your sins, but also to empower you to be what you cannot be on your own. And that when he whispers, Say a kind thing. Care for them. It can change everything. Would you bow in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and I pray that you would bless, that you would come, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and prompt us. We will listen when you tell us to honor our spouse, to respect our spouse. God, we want to live in a great relationship with you and with them. Change us, empower us, direct us. And Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may they this morning invite you in and just say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and empower me to be the person you know I can be. In Jesus' name, amen.